0: 25th of September 2023 marks the 60th anniversary of the start of a quite unique journey in the history of Everton Football Club. It was at the world-famous San Siro stadium, the home of Italian giants and rivals AC and Inter Milan, and it was against the latter on the 25th of September 1963 that an 18-year-old Evertonian made his first team debut. The Blues had beaten Sheffield Wednesday 3-2 four days earlier. Manager Harry Catrick made two changes for the European Cup. First round, second leg tie against Inter. Brian Harris was in for Sandy Brown. And replacing the injured Jimmy Gabriel was a teenage Colin Harvey. I'm Darren Griffiths. I'm joined by Dave Prentice and Gavin Buckland. And we are celebrating the amazing Everton career. The Everton life, I suppose, of one of our finest. Before our time... Preno, obviously, but the San Siro, the European <laughs> Cup, into yeah. Milan. I bet Colin wasn't phased.
1: Absolutely not. No, I don't think anything phased him throughout his career. Um, I actually spoke to Colin about that when uh, Seamus Coleman was uh, on the brink of making his debut at the uh, the Stadium of Light in Lisbon oh, yeah. against Benfica, and because uh, it had been rumoured and hinted at the night before, yeah. and I thought, oh, you know, Colin's a perfect person to talk about an occasion like that, and. Uh, you know, the kind of guy that you could just ring up off the cuff and say that, you know, after, like, I think Seamus, you know, young kid, could be making his debut tomorrow, will you talk about your experience? And you know what Colin's like, you know, sort of nicest fellow in the world, um, happy to do so. And yeah, he just, he played it down, which, you know, is, how, typical. Can, how can you yeah. play down, like sort of making your debut in the San Siro against... The reigning European champions, yeah. about to become back-to-back European champions, and against like sort players of the quality of you know Jaya and uh, Luis Suarez, you know the original yeah. Luis Suarez. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I looked up some of the um, the reports subsequently. And uh, they didn't go overboard, but they all like sort of spoke in understated terms, which is quite appropriate for Colin, really, yeah. about how effective he'd been and how uh, Giant never got anything like the level of service he got in the first game at Goodison Park because of the attentions of Colin. So yeah, you know, an absolutely very very appropriate place for a player of the quality of Colin to have made his debut. Uh, I mean, I hate that, that phrase "legend" that gets bandied around so yeah, often about yeah. footballers and about you know sort of individuals but in Collins case it is 100% earned because, like you said, amazing career. I don't think anybody has had a career quite like Colin no. in terms of the number of boxes he's ticked throughout his time yeah. at Everton.
0: And a European Cup debut at 18 It's a statistician's dream, isn't it,
1: Gav? Uh, I can just confirm—I wasn't around
2: then. either. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, about just making a debut at eighteen because in, in the sixties and, and say in the fifties, it wasn't like now where you have youth products and coming, yeah. people coming in mm-hmm. substitutes and stuff like that off the bench, and you know, and you see like a lot, a lot of young play records broken over the last 20 years not just at uh, Evan but other clubs then it was very rare there was was still that very distrust I think of management of of younger players and and I think um, just making his debut at 18 the, yeah, at, at that time against any club was a, it was a it was a great thing and and he was he, he, he liked the baptism of fire, Colin, because if you have a look, I think it was first four away matches. with were at the San Siro, then he played at the Blackbird, then he played the at Old Trafford, then he played at Anfield. For yeah, boy, it was. It, it was still I, I, I to me cards on the table places is live with Neffertoni Colin for me
0: he, he became yeah, a regular yeah. quite quickly the season after but he, yeah. he certainly didn't have things his own way did he as local young players tend not to
2: oh no Colin had a lot of stick in me and, and it, it's that's gone that's unthinkable before, that isn't it gone on gone afterwards he, he, I think Harry played him a slightly different I think Harry played him a little bit more forward you know, and the morning, you know as, a, as a sort of 10 you know when really Colin was like a it was a four or six, you know, like sort of the old-fashioned wing half in front of the defence. And I think one game, I think in the 63-64 season, he got loads of stick off the, um, off the crowd. And Harry was very protective of him after the game then, when Harry and um, went back to his car somewhat he had scribbled in you know scraped scratch <laughs> on his car Drop Harvey and you know I mean? and, uh, which is about as you know close to is what you
1: get then for the you know Twitter abuse I suppose I
0: just can't and, imagine yeah. any Twitter fume being levelled at Colin Harvey no. it's unthinkable no I mean I suppose
1: you know then he was just a young you know sort of product that no one quite knew you yeah. know so what he was going to become promising I suppose yeah and how many times have like sort of promising kids you know sort of promised and you know, not delivered Collins certainly delivered I mean I, I loved that phrase in uh, Ivan Ponting's wonderful book uh, where he gives like little summaries of players careers and he talks in Colin's page um, he says that most footballers are gauged by the number of great games they played uh, throughout their career not Colin Harvey his is getting the number of great seasons he played <laughs> and that just yeah. like summed him up but that was in the future I mean at the time people weren't quite aware how good he was going to become and how consistent he was going to become uh, and so yeah it took a little while maybe a very slow burner but oh, when, he, when he caught fire he absolutely took off Was there a turning point Gav? I think there was two I think
2: he said he went to Australia I think in 64 and he come back uh, half a stone heavier and it was all muscle and I think so that would have been just before his 20th birthday and I think he, like a lot of players, saying like Howard, would say the same when Alan Ball came, everybody up the, up the, yeah. up the game yeah. a bit. And I think by, by going forward a little bit, by 68, I think in, in 68, 69, he, he, he just upped a bit. He, you know, was, he was reaching his peak, his awareness was far back. He'd, he'd obviously gained a half a yard in pace and he became a far more complete player. So there's probably two turning points as a, as a young man. And then, and his peak years, and uh, I, I go with, go with Prano. was the, that consistency over what seven, eight years was was unbelievable, really.
0: John Hurst, famously the first Everton substitute Prano, oh, yeah. but only in an official capacity as yeah.
1: you have unearthed. Yeah, I was just uh, digging through some of the old uh, the old reports, and um, I came across the 1963 British Championship match against Glasgow Rangers which was two legs and uh, went up to Scotland and uh, we won 3-1 I think it was second leg played at Goodison and for some reason it's deemed an unofficial game uh, probably because they're so infrequent British championships and the next one was like 30 odd years later in Dubai. Um but there were 40000 plus supporters at Goodison. Uh Rangers bought absolutely hordes of fans down. And it's quite entertaining uh reading some of the reports because they're all absolutely appalled by the behaviour of the Rangers fans that night. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know so how they never wanted to see you know so Scottish fans back at Goodison again. But in the 35th minute of that match uh, this is nineteen sixty three uh, so a couple of years before Hurstie, um Jimmy Gabriel, ironically the guy that he replaced in the San Siro, was injured, and uh, Colin came off the bench uh, to make his debut. On make his make uh, it, but it would well, not his debut, but you know, so come on to become Emerson's first substitute in inverted commas mm. unofficially. So yeah, a little slice of history, I suppose. Um, I mean, he's created loads of slices of history, but that's one that probably isn't talked about all that often. Uh, Everton's first substitutes Colin won't be enraged that's been overlooked well
0: of course he more than played his part in, in, in 1966 in the FA Cup final win and it was his match winner this match winner in the semi-final against Manchester United at Bolton Wanderers Burnham Park Everton get it away and then came the goal that shattered Manchester's hopes Harvey takes a temporal pass and shoots confidently past Harry Gray. 66 FA Cup final. Gav, Colin was still only 21.
2: Yeah, and he'd already had what two or three years under his under his belt by then. I mean, Harry was playing a slightly slightly different different system than he was playing, like a more four-two-four. Four, and, and Colin was naturally then by then full, and is sort of deeper wing-half role, which I think he was he was far more far more suited for. And he was, far, he was somewhere like Wembley was a, was a great. You know, venue for his for his ability. He was, was a great box to box midfielder in terms. His en- countless boundless energy, great mm-hmm. technique. And something like the Cup Farm where he played I thought he played well, um was was, was a was a great platform for him and, and that goal he scored was you know didn't score many. Nope. He was speaking, I think it was Twister yeah. 21 twenty one, twenty two, you know. And like 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 you know um, making a debut at the San Siro. If you're going to score score a goal, Colin, has going to be like a, a semi final against against Manchester United. and I know. Um, it, it was a bit of a scuffy goal as well wasn't it really I know yeah. Nobby, Nobby Stiles said there was a query afterwards to so Nobby Stiles was he in the box or outside the box when he really scored Nobby Stiles said definitely in the box was he being outside the box it would have cleared him out <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and it was a, it was a, unusual for Collins to score I suppose and maybe if he did have a weakness he should have scored a little bit more goal a few
1: more goals but I'll tell you what winning a goal in the semi-final FA Cup
2: oh, that's a great, well, great achievement
1: well, One of my abiding images of that 66 uh, Cup final because remember when uh, the club did the official uh, history on yeah. video yeah. and it was screened uh, I think at Goodison initially and uh, Colin was the manager at the time 1988 I think it was released originally and um, we all sat around there watching it and there's a few images that appear on there from that cup final one is Colin before the match looking in the mirror parting his hair perfectly yeah. and like, yeah. so brushing it down which was quite entertaining but then I can't remember which goal it was Was either the second or the third goal and the celebrations and you talk about Colin being 21 and it just that youthful joy and you know so zeal is just encapsulated, and he's like he's basically jigging around the pitch, mm-hmm. like so excited it's untrue, and it just underlined how much it meant to him. you know yeah, he was just so excited. Lifelong Evertonian, so oh absolutely, yeah. yeah. So you know for a lifelong blue to you know be part of an FA Cup winning team in the days when the FA Cup meant absolutely everything, and it was it's just it's a beautiful you know it's an image of just pure joy. I mean, there's some footballers that we really love because of like so sort of the joy that they capture. Andy Gray was always one for me uh, and Andy King, you know, just like oozed joy and Colin in that moment looked like that as well. Guy really loved playing football. Well, push forward four years and of course Colin is a pivotal part of the side
0: that won the league championship under Harry Katrick, So was John Hurst and Hurst, he just loved watching the Holy Trinity.
3: They all fitted each other. I mean, it was a trio that was... Uh, individually, they were great players but as a trio... They kind of read each other's mind. They knew what they were doing. I mean, Borley used to play. It was like a diamond. Borley in front, Howard and Colin here. And, and Howard, Jimmy Husband used to be wide right. He'd come in to link up with Joe. Howard would go down the right. And it, it was just, it was a, a, a system of playing that we never really practiced on it just de- evolved from the the players themselves right. holy trinity
0: gav and prano if someone says who is or who was the holy trinity in three
1: words what do you say <laughs> well obviously ball harvey kendall isn't it really ball harvey kendall yeah. i was going to say exactly that order as yeah. well but i know some say kendall harvey ball i'm a Kendall know. harvey ball man kendall yeah.
0: harvey ball yeah. um will we ever see better
2: I think as a midfield as a, trio. As a midfield trio at the time, they, you know, if you read a lot of the press reports, they, you know, they described as the best midfield trio in Europe. And it, you know, when it, talk about Harry's great skills and management, manager, he realised what he had, and I think he watched Alf Ramsey in England where Alf played the three-man midfield at Alan Ballin, and he, he had Colin, and he thought, you know, he could he could do the same, do the same at Everton um, if you had the ball in and then. Yeah, the obviously part of the plan was to add Howard to that. Um anymore three three different players I think. But you know, the highest thing was a four, six, and eight. Where, where Howard was the defensive four. I mean, Howard had played centre half, and he played to play centre half. eleven. Mm. Mm. Colin was a six, which, which was sort of in wing half, just in front of the defence, but with more license to move forward than Alan as an eight. And, and the late sixties, you're what David Davies, and also the striker, I think that you see his goals record. Yeah. So in terms of mid, and they do all have completely different skills. in, in you know, Howard was a great tackler. Colin was box box was a great passer, and Alan had a great goal scoring ability. So in terms of what you want in a the midfield, they. Had the, they had the, you know, all they had all the held all the cards there, really. And, and obviously, within that, you had you needed Johnny Morrissey, who was sort of their get, get out if they mm-hmm. were in trouble, they give the ball to Johnny Morrissey. And so, you know, his role was you, you know, can't be underplayed. So, there, there was a reason for it. It was great managed by Harry, but they had all the skills and temperaments as a, midf- as a midfield that you would ever want to see. And they
0: kept the natural ability. To late in life, didn't they? I remember
2: Graham Sooner saying
0: there was only two players he ever played against he couldn't yeah. get near. One was Zico, the other was Alan Ball. Yeah. And every player that played for him in the 80s said, when you're playing head tennis, if your first pick wasn't Howard Kendall, it was
1: Colin Harvey. Well, well, I was going to say that. Yeah, I mean, when they were both on the training pitch in the 80s, the players all used to rave about, you know, the best touch was always Howard, and the most yeah. you know, so committed professional was always Colin. I remember um, Kevin Ratcliffe saying once when uh, Colin had had a hip replacement at relatively young I think he yeah. might have been in his 40s oh, yeah. and uh, he was still coaching the first team and uh, they were out on the training pitch and you know when he was asking for more from the players Kevin would say I'd step back there and I'd see Colin throwing himself into these ridiculous slide challenges and just haven't had the hip replacements." and I'm <laughs> thinking <laughs> if we can do that I've got to give a little bit more yeah. as well yeah. and he was you know, totally you know, coached and led by example Colin's
0: last goal for Everton was August 74 we beat West Ham 3-2 it was the only time that Joe Royal and Bob Lashford scored in the same game as well more perfect timing (laughs) from Colin his last game was shortly after against Stoke City he only played four games that season 74-75 but the fans who had berated him earlier in his career yeah. were absolutely livid that he was allowed to go
2: to Sheffield Wednesday. Oh, absolutely! I mean, you'd argue, there was, you know, people say about Alan Ball leaving, but if you—that's what we know now. But if you read the accounts at the time, you know, there, there's a lot. It's quite more than a few Everton fans who, who actually thought, well, I can understand why Harry's made the decision, and and how had have been injured as well, and and we're getting Bob Latchford as part of the deal, sort of. You know, acted as a sort of you know councillor that. But the one I the to say <laughs> was actually no way should he go was 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 Colin. And if you read the the letters of the football that like around that time, <laughs> it is it is just extraordinarily. Uh, and I think I think because of Colin as a player but as what he stood for as well because in 74 he was one of the last links to, 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 yeah. to the 80s, 60s I think it was probably John Hurst and John Hurst hadn't played in the 80s, 60s he was more mid-60s so Colin was, was, was 11, 12 years of the club and so it's what he stood for I think as well and he was still he was still a damn decent player as you, as you say and, and, and of the three strangely enough Colin is probably out of the three... The, the, the most understated because he, obviously Howard's success in the eighties as a manager, Arby Allen you know, speaks for himself. Was the one who had <laughs> sacked you know, the, the the bigger, you know, the m- most criticism of the club for, mm-hmm. for letting him go. And it, it, there's an irony there, I think, uh, and also a reflection of Collins' reputation as a player, both and as a man. I think is is really
1: important. Seventy thousand pound for the White Pele, yeah. a disgrace, <laughs> A disgrace. It was, it was the famous banner that was, uh, you know, sort of paraded uh, before one of the games after he'd gone. And it, it, it's funny actually how some moments in Everton time just like strike a chord. And, you know, because it was only a small banner that was like, sort, you know, sort of draped over the edge of I think it was it the enclosure, uh, but it just... Encapsulated so much of what so many people thought, and so you know, 50 odd years later, we're still talking, you know, sort of you know, remembering it, similar to the famous leaflets that were like, sort, you know, sort of, uh, distributed uh, by Howard in '83. Was it, you know, 30,000 stay away fans can't be wrong, Candle and Cars are out? Those kind of things just like, so sort of stay with you and resonate. So, yeah, it underlined the depth of feeling. I mean, the white Pele, I mean, you know, some will argue Maradona may the greatest player of all time. People of, you know, my vintage probably go for Pele, the greatest player of all time. And so yeah. to be christened the white Pele, you know, it sort of underlines just the, the level of, you know, sort of sentiment that people held yeah. towards him. Was Mark Dobson brought in to replace him? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he
2: brought, brought him in the summer of, Billy in the him in the summer of 74. Of and I think Dobson was. Slightly different player. I think probably had more of a passing range, not not as much as say box to box as as Colin. It was slightly different and, and Billy Binger brought Dave Clements in, it was more like to replace Howard, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there was there was there was signs there I'm Billy quite quite as a manager, you can see what he's trying to do, he's trying to build his own team. So you could understand why he brought in Martin Dobson for three hundred thousand and, and Colin was probably there for, you know, going to leave at, at some point. And just build on what like Pena was saying there, it's worth adding that. A lot of the professionals, the top professionals in the game in the '60s, of the whole eternity, said that Colin was the best player. Mm. Don Revy said that yeah. Colin was the best of three. Joe May, said great Evertonian, yeah, yeah, said, said, said exactly the same. So you know, what it's funny what you see as fans and what you see as professionals in the game can be quite different sometimes in appreciating yeah. the, um, and the skills. But
1: bear in mind, Colin, when he left in 1974, was how old? Was the early 30s? Is, yeah, yeah. Billy Bingham had to spend a British record transfer fee, cash fee, yeah. 300 grand to replace him yeah, Martin yeah. Dobson, to, you know, to replace a 30 year old, Colin Harvey, which underlines you know, so just how valuable he was. And he was still capable of moments of magic like
0: this goal from outside the box against Division 2 champions elect Manchester United <laughs> in December
3: 1974. Thompson right in the area. Good shot, goal!
0: At Malta against England Gav 1971 Roy McFarland made his debut Martin Shivers made his debut a certain yeah. Joe Royal made his debut and so did Colin Harvey and every Evertonian of a certain generation is still absolutely baffled by the fact that Colin never got another one
2: yeah before I answer that question a quick statty point that wasn't the only time Colin scored in a 4-0 game against the Man United team he scored 4 all. at Old Trafford and Everton Reserves in <laughs> Everett, Everett Reserves 90s we be, knew that yeah, when Everton <laughs> Reserves got <gonna> before going to be 4 <laughs> nil with 20 minutes late left wow. and that Colin made a 4 all. yeah so there you go he was just uh, closing that off yeah going back to your points, Darren yeah I think some of it was down to I think there was a, a relationship issue between Harry Kattrick and Sir Al Flamsey the England manager who had didn't like playing play for England and mm, let, yeah. let Alf know, and consequently Alf, when he walked, his, then made it difficult for himself to pick Everton players, um, I think. And Colin had played in Mexico in 1969 when he'd done a pre World Cup tour against Mexico. And it was, it was bad then as a full international and Colin thought it was making international debut and yeah. then found out two or three months later it wasn't an unofficial game. And the game in Malta in 71, as you say, there was three local lads, Roy McFarlane, Joe Doyle, and Colin played and he should have played more, yeah, really. And, and I think Harry, Harry knew that. Harry, had, Harry, I think, he loved Colin, didn't he? And the fact, I think that's a measure of Colin's stature, Harry was a very difficult taskmaster. He, he obviously appreciated what Colin did very much and uh, I think that's sometimes there was a couple of times he was selected for England where he pulled them out Mm. of squads But it should have been more than one cap but it was very competitive then and then you didn't have
1: like big squads did you they only had one sub so I think think you need younger listeners need to appreciate how different the international setup was then I mean uh, there were only probably five or six internationals every year Uh, Alf Ramsey was notoriously loyal uh, to the squad that he selected and it was very, very difficult uh, to break into an international squad. You look at players now, I mean, appearance records, goal-scoring records are broken, you know, so every season yeah. now, because there yeah. are so many internationals, it was so, so difficult back then, and winning an international cap meant so much. So, you know, England have won the World Cup in '66, and, you know, so sort of Ramsey stayed notoriously loyal to those players for maybe longer than he ought to have done. So, yeah, you can understand why it was so difficult, you know, so sort of for Colin and Howard, to have uh, got the caps they deserved was
0: always destined to come back Preno, wasn't he and when he was invited back to coach the kids the first time round
1: it, it, it must have been great for him yeah absolutely I mean it, there's no way a person with the the love for Everton football club and the, the ability and the qualities that he has should have been away from the club for any period mm. of time and so it was like you know a, a match made in heaven if you like and that was the, the seeds <laughs> of you know what would ultimately become the great managerial double act I mean, uh, everyone talks about Howard Kendall quite rightly being the most successful manager in our club's history, but Colin had an awful lot to do uh, with mm. the uh, the success of you know sort that you know so squad and that team at the time, and there's like a number of you know so reasons for that. And, the one that I love reading about is everyone like sort of is in love with you know, what they call like sort of Gagan pressing now or you know so sort of winning the ball high up the pitch. And Colin introduced that at Everton. Now to give you know, the the true credit, it was Don Howe that actually, you know, sort of introduced it first spotted it. And it's basically swarming high up the pitch, you know, so sort of nicking the ball as high up as you can, winning possession in areas where it causes the ultimate damage. And Colin has introduced that to the reserve team and you know so sort of the kids that he was like sort of training with. And uh, and it was Howard and I sort of watching you know sort of the reserves on one day and said to Colin how long have you been doing this? And he goes, oh, about seven or eight months. He goes, oh, we need to introduce that, you know, so in the first team squad, and it wasn't long after that, you know, so Colin, uh, you know, so was elevated to, you know, so first team coach status and brought those, uh, you know, sort of lessons with him. Uh, also, uh, video technology, he introduced that, he was one of the pioneers of that, you know, so long before, you know, so plenty of other coaches did. And it was quite entertaining. Uh, there was a guy called Peter Tushingham who was uh, Everson's, like, yeah, a photographer, stroke videographer. Yeah. His sister was a famous film star in the 60s, Risa Tushingham. And, uh, and Peter, you know, was told by Colin, you know, so can you video the games? And Peter, said, happy to do so. And Colin would then spend the weekends, like, so Sundays and Mondays, going through the videos and then sit down with the players on the Monday and, like, so giving them little t- you know tips and techniques, mm. and it sounds like sort of basic stuff now, but that was at a time when no one did that, and it was it was a, it was quite unique and quite ahead of the game. Quite brave of Howard, wasn't it, to to turn to Colin and say,
0: listen, probably need a bit of help here. Come on board with the first team.
2: Yeah, yeah, because Howard's probably. Saying I've got a vivid bit of a weakness here that needs need adjusting, I think, and I need to change. And yeah, it was, it was just good management, though, wasn't it? Really, a lot of the players at the time that were in the, te- the, the team had been with, with Collins at, at, um, at the reserves who'd been quite successful I'd with the team in the early 80s, so it wasn't just the, the reserves, wasn't it? And yeah, and I think it was brave because I think he's saying he's, he's asking for help, and sometimes your own ego as a manager, you, you, yeah, sort of, yeah. you don't want to do that, do you, you want to be this all powerful? Uh, person and I think to, to be fair to Howard he, he did um, you know he, he did the right thing did he? <laughs> like, to well,
0: be fair Colin's contribution to the glory days of the mid 80s can't be understated don't take our word for it listen to Peter Reid you know
4: when I first uh, got to the club he was with the reserves and he had a couple of games in the reserves through injury and I um, always had a g- great knowledge but great enthusiasm, t- enthusiasm about the game but kept everything simple you know just told you simple things. Yeah. But I remember watching him as a player. And I played against him yeah. when he was at Sheffield Wednesday. And I think he had a bad hip, ep- and I was a young kid at Bolton. And it was like when you play against a top player, one touch, two touch. Couldn't get near him. And and he was on his last legs, Yeah, to be yeah. honest. He was just a fantastic, uh, fantastic footballer, as we know, in his a Day. Uh, yeah making his debut, 17, against mm. Inter Milan, the European Cup. Doesn't come any bigger than that. But um, a winner. If I was going to describe Colin Harvey, and that, that'd be my de- description, a winner. Mm. What difference did he make when Howard brought him into the first team? Um, without going to go with anybody, I just thought there was a, a sharpness in everything we did. In everything we did, in like... A circle we did in five sides, tennis. Mm. Yeah, but, and then it, 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 it like it clicked in, and, and what it was, but we 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 didn't exactly come alight. It was a struggle, mm. but like there was a lot of young players at, at, uh, at the club at the time, and we got a confidence about us, and that that, that comes from working out on the training pitch, and then digging a few results out, and that's what we did. Once we did that. Like these these young players blossomed, and then everything everything was. You can't say it's easy because that that's mm. that's deriding your opposition. But we we had the confidence we could go anywhere and beat anybody, and that's that's what.
0: When I when I say a winner, that's yeah. what he was. There's a statue of Colin Harvey outside Goodison. He's a legend, but try telling him that. He won't have it. Will
4: no, he? no, no. He's a, he's a very humble man, and that's 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 the thing that always got me about him. He he, he, sh- he shied away from that. And when you talk about, do I think he wanted to be a manager at Everton? I think yes. But being a manager of a club like Everton, a Premiership club, you've got to go out and see the media. I'm not sure he was comfortable doing that. If I'm honest, yeah. Or, yeah. And I, I think if you asked him, him, yeah, if you asked him, Cole, Cole would say that as well. But everything else about him, spot on.
0: Howard wanted European football for obvious reasons. We couldn't yeah. provide it, so he left for Bill Did Colin Harvey want to be the next Everton manager?
2: Uh, <laughs> I'd, well, if you if you read a lot of accounts, you, you probably he probably didn't. Possibly Um, I think he was the coaching environment was more was was his um, that's where he wanted to be wasn't it that was his skill set was that football management and coaching are two completely different things and um, Colin Stent was coaching and so the problem was he was never Tony wasn't he Mm -hmm. and you know I think there'd been talk the year before of how going to Barcelona and maybe that Colin was going to be lined up to be the manager and I think Sometimes it, that's the call, and he's probably doing what's best for the club. And you're taking over the championship in the team as well.
1: Yeah, I remember that era really well. because I just started at <laughs> the, uh, the Daily Post, and um, there's a great television interview Colin gave at the time when he was asked about uh, you know so how you're enjoying the transition. And his reply just stuck with me forever. I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm doing it, and that was it. And he did it because it was he felt his duty and his responsibility to do it. And the interview at the time likened it to Bob Paisley, who was you know sort of reluctant, you know sort of you know, step up to the managerial role at Liverpool when Bill Shankly unexpectedly quit and became incredibly successful. Uh, the, the problem that Colin had, you're right, two very different disciplines entirely, and he wasn't comfortable doing it. I no. remember having to ring him at home on a Sunday morning, and yeah, it was it was like something he wanted to get out of the way. He didn't yeah. enjoy the the media side of things at all. Whereas Howard was so comfortable and so yeah. consummate in yeah. the media. Yeah. To Colin, it, it was a chore, and he was also taking over a team that was on the de- on the decline, very much in transition. Yeah, some it? of the uh, you know, so sort of the the great players of that era. Uh, Reached their best, you know, your Andy Gray's, your know, Peter Reeds, uh, you know, so they, they were on the downward slide a little bit. And uh, Colin had to make sweeping changes. He had to bring in new players. Some of them worked, some of them didn't. So, you know, it was a very difficult time to take was he over. He wasn't afraid from... to spend money, was he? Oh, not at all, no. When you think of, you know, Tony Cotty was a British record transfer fee at the time and that was really celebrated by Evertonians because you know Arsenal were in for yeah, him spectacularly yeah. so and uh, he chose to come to Everton that was seen as a real coup uh, Pat Nevin who's like just like a, a typical Everton school of science type footballer so easy on the eye you know, so so great to watch Stuart McCall and Neil McDonald maybe not as successful but effective in their own right funny actually the the one that Colin always talks about as being his you know he thinks his best signing of that era Martin Keown and you see what Keown went on to achieve in the game and you can understand why so no he, he wasn't afraid to spend money but maybe that little bit of you know, so that magic touch that Howard occasionally had on the transfer market, your piece of reads, you know, so yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you know, you're Andy Gray's, you didn't quite have.
2: I think the biggest problem that happens elsewhere is the biggest problem you face when you move from a coach to a manager is you lose yourself as a coach. Yeah. yeah. So if yeah, there being be yeah. Colin as a manager, I'd had Colin Harvey, the coach, yeah. here at the same time. I think things would have been more... More easy for them, but you're losing their skills of the coach, aren't you? Really? And you've got and experienced
0: players in the dressing room. Yeah. who all of a sudden, they've got to call your boss or gaffer, yeah. having yeah. known you all their playing lives as Colin. It, it 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 must be difficult. It does, expose the dynamic, you know. And it's
1: uh, you know what we finished fourth, yeah, eighth, yeah. then sixth, which we take now, but we were 18th and reached an FA Cup final, reached yeah. an League Cup semi-final, but got to the Simod Cup final. You know, so yeah, you know there were achievements in inverted commas in that era
2: yeah I think there's one, one thing that needs to be brought out because and just the problem is it was one of time really so we took over in 87 we didn't spend it's difficult to manager when you take, take over the championship and the team what yeah. to do yeah. Yeah. you are stuck in a rock and a hard place to so do nothing and then you know, people say you should have brought people in yeah. or buy players think you've broken up a championship winning yeah. team yeah. and I think when he did buy what happened with him And he was, it was a problem of timing for him in 88 I don't know if you remember there was a big ITV television deal and all of a sudden players wages went up astronomically so if you were bought mm. in the summer of 1988 you were probably on twice as much money mm. if you had been bought in a year or two previously so we had this problem to manage in the dressing room we had a load load of trophy winning mm. players who were on, you know, less money than people who'd just come in, who'd achieved far less in the game, who had something to prove. And that was a thing he had to manage, really, because dressing rooms can be very sensitive places around wages, can't do that. that When you talk about um, Colin's man management and coming in, not me to manage it, I think that would have tested a lot of... Senior managers yeah, that problem, definitely, definitely. Have big disparities and wages within the within the within the session. And yeah. that first
0: season, eighty-seven, eighty-eight, you have to say Liverpool were quite outstanding, weren't they? Colin was up against yeah. what some Liverpool supporters still consider to be the best. Well, yeah, team. I mean,
1: what, what Kenny Dalglish had done you know, that summer was spend ridiculously well, yes, yeah. so to bring in Barnes, Beardsley, and John Aldridge, which is like a bit of an unheralded at same time, Ray Houghton yeah. as well and they just all knitted and probably one of the standouts of that season was that they were in line to actually beat Leeds United's record of like staying unbeaten from the start of the season I think it was 30 games 31 games was it if you correct me if I'm wrong there Uh, and the game that they were going to beat it in was at Goodison Park. And, you know, so obviously, you know, so Colin and the Everson players that era wouldn't allow that to happen. <laughs> and so, you know, we ended, you know, sort of that... rainbow playing Clark. Rain Clark's goal, yeah. So, you know, scant consolation, I suppose. But yeah, that was an astonishingly good Liverpool team. Well,
0: I caught up with Dave Watson before the Arsenal game at Goodison Park recently, and I asked our former skipper if he genuinely believed that Colin genuinely wanted the Everton job?
5: I think Colin, Colin was brave enough to take to take the post and um, he, he certainly had, had the the qualities that needed to become a manager um, and, and why not give it a chance if you've been given the opportunity? So, you know, I, I think he uh, he's done a great job, to be fair, you know. When you, when you look at where we finished in the league, you'd take that now, wouldn't you? him oh, back now, bloody hell, right you would. Uh, yeah, we finished fifth in the league or something and, uh, you know, we, we got to a cup final and... Um, Colin was great he was, he was a whole hearted uh, player wholehearted coach still a good player wasn't he? He was still one of the better players in training, yeah. He'd probably get against his eh? But yeah, he's a lovely fella. And, you know, Colin, if Colin wanted something done, you know, he'd make sure you'd done it properly. And if you don't do things properly with Colin, you don't fit him in. But uh,
0: great, great attitude about the place. I'm glad you said that because people, some people say, was Colin too nice to be a manager? Colin wasn't too nice to be a manager, was he? No, Colin, Colin was like... Um,
5: you know underneath underneath uh, Howard's column was the assassin he, he was you know he was on top of the lads he he was making sure things were done properly no one could get away with not training properly he'd notice it and he'd pull you to one side and um, he was great and he got the best he wanted to get the best out of every individual he coached and, and you know even later years when he worked with the U team and he he won the youth cup, you know, and it was that was amazing. Um, so yeah, he's, he's a top man, Colin. But loved him over
0: the years. Yeah. It must have been very, very difficult for the players when, although it was heralded by the supporters when Colin was relieved of his duties, yeah. Howard was enticed back in, and he instantly <laughs> brought Colin Harvey back in. We've mentioned the dynamic within the dressing room. That that must have been awkward It had to be.
2: It must have been awkward for Colin. Yeah, I think, and you know, and, and I think um, so. He's gone from being the coach to being the gaffer. <laughs> And now back to being the coach again, and um, I, th- I think possibly whether that ha- whether that was the right decision for both of them, I'm not so sure. But yeah, it was it must have been it was very very awkward, very awkward for the I think for the you know for the players obviously, and I think probably because they changed that Colin said I need that three years. How would they be in, broad, yeah. in Man City, yeah. You know how would it with Colin in the mid eighties? was going always going to be different to what it was in 1990 because of what had happened to them in, in during the period of the time. He couldn't just pick up where he'd left off three or four years before and that, that was always going to be an issue uh, for both of them, I think, as well as the players. He went on to help Graeme Shaw, at
0: Oldham athletic. He worked with Inchi as well at Burnley and then came back to Everton again know, to coach the kids uh, where he, he helped to nurture, probably didn't unearth him, but he helped to nurture... Yeah a certain Wayne Rooney oh, I remember speaking to Colin yeah. about Wayne yeah. when Wayne was 14 and Colin would all Colin would say is he's got a chance <laughs> now, if Colin Harvey says a young player's got a chance he's something special
1: oh very much so I, I, I will never forget the moments when I used to have to do and I used to hate it as well you know, I thought it was a bit of a chore having to go and do little mini reports on the uh, I think it was the under-19s and the 17s at the time we didn't go to the games we'd just go on a Monday morning and uh, speak to Colin, who was manager of one of the teams and Alan Harper, who was manager of the other yeah. and just say, say, you know, so what happened at the weekend? I remember Colin just saying to me under 19 years, he got beat 2-1 yeah, yeah, it you know, wasn't great, blah, blah, blah uh, You know, so Rooney scored the goal and I just said, Rooney, Rooney, I don't know that name." and you know what Colin's like, he disparages well, he disp- dispenses praise quite, quite, you know and he just looked at me and his eyes almost like missed it over yeah. and he goes, ah oh, he's like a young Dal son, but uh, quicker of thought and quicker across the ground and I was like gobsmacked I took a step back and he obviously realised what he'd said yeah. and I won't use his exact phrase the origin but, and don't be putting that in your blooming newspaper <laughs> <laughs> and so I didn't but you know talk about being alerted you know so a 14 year old scoring girls for the under 19s and very very quickly everybody in Belfield was talking about him and you speak to Wayne now and Wayne will you know so absolutely yeah. tell you how important Colin was to his development yeah. he was always going to be a superstar because he was such a, a natural Talent, but Colin definitely helped in that, in that road. Danny Calamarchi loved him.
6: It was interesting because you don't really know the full culture and history of players, uh, ex players, until you kind of embedded it in it. And then he came in and started taking us and, and joined in the training session. So all of a sudden, when your coach who's a little bit older does really well in a training session, you start to ask the other lads, Who is he? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, don't get wrong, when he joined in with us, it was, uh, it was an eye opener as well. Nice guy. Great guy, Um, just obviously his level of experience as a player but then when he transitioned into into the coaching and dealing with young high-performance or so-to-speak high-performance players he you how to deal with us, whether it be from an ego point of view and keeping us in check but also in terms of detail he gives us helping us to develop you were a successful bunch under Colin but you were a lively bunch as well weren't you (laughs) I think that's probably the benefit of having you know obviously the likes of Colin Harvey and um, John Erse as well that was involved and Andy Older and some of the coaches that that had us that we were because we were a good group, and we had some good players and um, we had a good mixture of the Scousers and, and the Wolves um, <laughs> that there was big characters in there and big personalities and, and when we'd give a team a hide in he mm. knew just how, how to keep us in check and then when we weren't quite at it he knew how to get the best out of us so um, I think it was an important factor with his own background. It, it's, it's great man management, isn't it? That
0: you, No one went to put your arm around somebody and no one went to, to kick them up the backside.
6: Yeah, I think it was it was evident with you know Richard Dunkirk came in and... Um, You know, at the time when we were all younger, he felt like he was six foot nine or something like that, and and Colin were only little. So all of a sudden, you know, we looked up to Dunning literally um, as a big character, but then, you know, at times he'd have a wobbling. You know, Colin Harvey knew just how to go the biggest character or the biggest person in the group or the, the most influential, and, and like you said, get his arm round him, not quite around his shoulder, and 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 bring him back in. Um, and it was it was a, a massive skill set of his. Everything Colin Harvey did
0: was for the benefit of Everton Football Club. Was he? he loves the football club, isn't he?
6: Yeah, I think um, it, it wasn't just the, the football club; it was the players as well. And I think that you know it, it was always evident that the least accountable people at the club at the time were were um with the players you know it was it was a staff so he drove staff around us to make sure that we got the best and and, and the best he got out of us meant the best that Everton Football Club would get out of us and that was his always his intention and he referred everything back to you're at Everton Football Club lad you know you've got you're wearing that badge on your on your chest and and you're representing that whether you're on or off the pitch you're on
0: the rung now the coaching rung do you ever get situations where you think to yourself come on what would
6: Colin say what would Colin do i yeah i think the the, the biggest benefit to me um in my coaching journey now has been has been Everton Football Club. You know we had a successful youth team. I had a fantastic upbringing in Liverpool as a as a city in terms of culture um, and values more than anything. And, and when I came to, to came to Liverpool and, and moved into a family of scouts that were Blues, uh, the values were instilled in me in terms of discipline, punctuality, working hard. The, the, the nil Nissi optimum culture, which I've got tattooed on my arm, um, was instilled in me, and Everton Football Clubs, put that into to everything I do now. Golf. Colin,
0: Borley and Howard immortalised outside Goodison Park in bronze it's a a fantastic statue some football statues around the country can be a bit hit and miss ours is absolutely fantastic and it was a simple decision for the football club to make
2: Probably the most simplest you're ever going to make really isn't it and I'd say it's a fantastic uh, Fantastic statue. There's a great photograph of uh, Neville Southall standing by it. Seen a couple of years ago. which is just like a fantastic yeah. picture. Yeah, and the whole trinity and, and going back to before, not not only did they have that sort of mixers players. It, there's just something about the state, about you know the, the old school of sciences and whatever football clubs stand for, and 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 the fact that you know Colin and Howard helped win trophies. You know off the pitch as well. And so that that's what it. Shows isn't it? It encompasses Evan football club in one mm. statue. I would say, I would argue, both in terms of the style as players, but what they achieved as well, and and,
1: and their beliefs and, and, and the love for the club, and yeah, brilliant, brilliant. What, what really you know sort of heartens me about that decision is that so often statues are sculpted and erected when the people that they, you know, celebrate aren't yeah. around to appreciate yeah. them. Definitely. And, you know, I, I wrote a piece about Howard uh, saying, you know, sort of why we need to, like, so name a stand after him. And he was so thankful in the earth. Cheers for that, you know, sort of piece. So I really appreciate that. Uh, and obviously Howard and Borley, you know, so were no longer with us when that statue was unveiled. Colin obviously very much is, and I think it was just great, you know, so sort of for him to actually be there and see the statue unveiled with all his family and just appreciate how much love, you know, sort of ever so Evertonians how far and how appreciated he is. And he'll say
0: it's, be- he'll say, he'll say it's for the family. It's for the family, son. It's yeah. for the family. I was very fortunate when when when, when they were being cast down at uh, the docks there at and We brought Colin down for the first yeah. for the first look, and um, the sculptor was down. Then he said he said just make a little mark at the back somewhere with your thumb, either on your boot or on your shorts yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And and Colin was uh, just—he wasn't baffled by it all, but it was all a little bit surreal for him. And it was a lovely moment because he he was clearly, clearly, very, 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 very proud. But you know, Preno, you mentioned before that he's a legend.
1: Try telling him that. Well, you can't, no, because like he he downplays everything. You know, like that—that you know uh, anecdote about you know so being the Everton manager. Oh, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And and the same about being a player. You know, so to him, he, he just something that he enjoyed doing, and he did to the absolute best of his ability. Um, I think you know. I don't know. I don't think he probably will appreciate you know so quite how much he means uh, to people. You know, so sort of followed the football club for a long period of time. Absolute twenty four carat Everton legend. You know, so sort of deserves that phrase. You know, so one hundred percent, and a really decent man as well. You know, yeah. so I mean, you know, so really genuine, really authentic. Uh, just a, a top top fella. You can't really say, you know, so sort of, you know, so sort of better
0: things about him. So I remember we played Bologna for his testimonial and I got a phone call very early in the morning of the game from a representative of Bologna saying we can't get over. <laughs> there's problems with yeah. travel and I'm wow. thinking you can't not do that this is, yeah. This yeah. is not the Zingari League this, yeah. is, a, this is a game of course. it's Colin Harvey's testimonial yeah. and I don't know why it, it got delayed if you recall the kickoff was delayed by two or three hours and yeah. we had to get messages out there we had to put posters up County Road and everywhere but everybody pulled out all the stops and I don't know who eventually got them over but somebody did because you just can't spoil Colin Harvey's yeah. big day an Evertonian a gentleman
3: and a legend I was a great believer that they're only young kids anyway. What were they going to do in the afternoon anyway? You know, they'd probably either go to the betting shop or maybe go for a pint, I don't know. But I used to bring uh, nearly all of them back of an afternoon. And it wasn't a a hard session, but it was about technique and hardware and things that they were missing at the time, you know. Sharpie uh, had a few nice moves that he needed to improve on certain things. And it was the same with all of them, you know. I, I, I always believed that you could get better Because I remember when Alan Ball came to Everton and he raised the bar up to there and we all had to go like that. We were never going to reach it, but you pushed your bar up from here to there to to try and be as good as it, although you never were going to be. And I was a a great believer that if if you worked hard, you could improve and get better. I was there to try and improve them. And then, you know, if I did it, improved them 1%, 5%, 10%, 5%, 10%, well, I was doing my job and they, they, they all seemed to appreciate it because when the time came and they went through to sort of the first team and I got moved up with the first team, I knew them all individually and they knew what was expected, you know, the hard work and everything else that went with it and, they, you know, they, I instilled it into
6: them on the way through. It wasn't for me, it was for them.